All right, good, good afternoon, everyone. My name is Mark Molina, and I am the CEO of Molina Leadership and Business Development Solutions. Today, this afternoon, right now, we are interviewing Pastor Aaron Taylor, who is a senior pastor for Crossfire Ministries in Springfield, Oregon, and in Eugene, and some other locations and areas of service throughout the world, quite frankly. And so I wanted to interview Pastor Aaron this afternoon because his ministry is feeding hundreds of people every week, if not almost every day, in Lane County. And I think it's important that as our community is trying to find ways to get their needs met, we have to understand that just the government alone can't do it. Private industry alone cannot do it. We also need the involvement of our local faith community. And Pastor Aaron Taylor and Crossfire Ministry and his leadership team are ensuring that what they can do, they are doing, how they can lead, they are leading, how they can model, they are modeling, and they are executing what they believe is the mission of Christ in the local community to care for people. So Pastor Aaron, good afternoon. Thank you for your time. I know you're very busy right now. Yeah, no, I'm glad to be with you. It's, it's, uh, it's an exciting time. It's a scary time for some and a difficult time for all of us. But truthfully, you know, whether it's business or ministry, the truth is when you find adversity and we all come up against different adversities, whether they be personal or ministry or in business, you know, it's those who can find ways that are creative and ways to uh, find where the adversity is and what you can do to overcome it is really those who survive in life and business. Yes, very good. I um, have been really impressed with the operations of Crossfire Ministry in Springfield. Uh, the videos, the photos, all of your volunteers, all of your ministry leaders that are there, that are present, that are making sure that uh, the community has access to food and the other types of uh, modalities that you minister to the community at large. Can you talk a little bit for a few minutes about how you're managing that and what your ministry is doing exactly? Well, I'll be honest with you. We are actually doing nothing that we haven't done for many years. Yes, we just sure. have to do it differently. Yes. You know, so we've been feeding and doing food ministry for close to 20 years. Mm -hmm. um, we just now are having to be more creative and, and how we do it. And, uh, you know, it's the simple things that overcome the big obstacles, but it's usually a lot of simple things that overcome those big obstacles. Um, I think most people are quick to say, uh, you know, we can't, we shouldn't. Um, even in our Eugene campus, just because of the lack of volunteers and, a, and, a, and some leadership is the only reason the same thing isn't happening in Eugene right now. And, you know, depending on the length of this will depend on if that does happen and continue or not. Um, so we can open up the same thing in Eugene. But, you know, our goal is to do a drive-through uh, feeding program. And, you know, not every single person who comes through, you know, you get lots of criticism when you do anything other than, sure, you know, home right now. Um, and, uh, you know, what happens is, is, you know, we've found niches and ways to help people. I, I had to say, what's vital about our ministry? And this is what we're going to do. I I'd listened, uh, actually had a meeting with uh, Frank DiMaggio. I don't know if you know who he is or not, but 
And in the process of having the meeting, he just said, Aaron, sometimes we just have to look and find out what are, what's vital and what isn't and cut everything that isn't vital out. Well, I think that's definitely happened for the world and the church right now is it's the things that are vital. And, and people say, well, our gathering is vital and it is to a point, but the truth is what is most vital is relationship. Can we keep relationship during this time? Well, our relationship with the broken and the hurting and, you know, single moms and is probably the, the greatest value that our church has with the community is to find hurting people and create relationship with them. Um, a friend of mine who's another pastor said, how's this doing with you connecting to business and getting their support? I said, you know, I'm not that great of a pastor. Honestly, that's probably your job. My job is to love people and let God figure this stuff out. I, I'm just not real good at going out, and raising money from people who have it. I just like filling the need and letting God figure it out. And so far that's been happening. I'm sure I could do better at the other. Um, but, uh, you know, we've been able to help people and it has been phenomenal. And the attitude of the people is, is so much better than it has been in the past. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's a certain amount of, I feel like I, um, I deserve what the church or what you're giving and your help. I deserve this. It's, it, it belongs to me. You should be doing this because you're a Christian. Um, that attitude is completely changed. And we are seeing the gratefulness of the hurting. Um, those who come in who are like, how can I help? What can I do? I'm, I'm, you know, I'm limited, but you know, and in most cases we just say, Hey, just be blessed. Mm-hmm. You know, and when it's not illegal, we'll maybe, you know, see us in church or something, you know? Um, <laughs> but it's, uh, it, it's just been our, the whole thing has been such a good thing. Um, amongst the bad. And this weekend I'm preaching on, you know, getting through the storms of life and how, you know, Jesus, he fell asleep in the boat intentionally. Mm-hmm. He was intentional about it. He told them what they should do. He had taught them and discipled them and they were about to face even worse. And I think that worse times are ahead. Mm-hmm. And I'm not trying to say that to discourage people, but we're going to have more obstacles ahead greater than this. I think this is just a preparation for what we're going to see ahead. But if we have the tools and if we know how to deal with obstacles, it doesn't matter what the adversity is ahead. Mm -hmm. And so that's kind of where I think we're at. And I think this is a good training and preparation time to say, Hey, things could get a lot more difficult, a lot worse. Uh, How are we going to respond to it is what makes you know, it really shows who we are, or who we're not. Yeah, you know, I know that your ministry has been feeding people for years. <clears throat> um, you've been ever since I've heard of you or ever seen you on television or any of your shows or heard your name. I got out of the army in 1995 and came to this area, but I've always, you've always been Pastor Aaron Taylor since I've come into awareness of who you are. And you've always been about the business of ministry and the business of people. You've been about the business of helping and serving people. And that's one of the trademarks of your ministry is building people up to the best of your ability to do what you can do to lead in that area. And I, I just wanted to say that about my recognition of who you are. Um, it's, can I say that I, during this pandemic, I was scheduled, I was scheduled to be in the Philippines 
and I was scheduled to have two weeks off and, and fitting that in in this six-week period was going to be tough. I didn't end up going to the Philippines. I didn't make it to the National Association of Broadcasters in Vegas that I was supposed to be at. And I can't find two weeks off because I'm at the last edits for my book that really explains what my heart and drive is and why I do what I do and how we do it. And I don't do anything, but as a church, it's, it's about creating a culture of loving and serving people. And, and this book I'm doing, I am so excited about it because I believe it takes everything we know and it doesn't change it. It just tilts it a little and you go, aha, this makes more sense than I thought. And uh, it's really what, you know, it's what uh, a lot of people I even know very close can't figure me out. Um, there's just, God's changed something inside of me that just, just looks at what we get out of life differently and uh, the rewards being so different, not because, oh, it's all about me, but literally where I get to do something on an eternal level that, that opens up the windows of heaven in, in a way that may, may or may not be financial, but I'll tell you what it is. It, it meets and satisfies the need of my soul like I've never had before. And, and this, so times like this have, are just exciting for me. I mean, I, I literally, I no, I don't like them like anyone else. I can't stand that. I can't hug somebody. I can't stand that my, you know, I'm doing outdoor services instead of uh, a church service. I, you know, it's blown everything apart, but, but you know, when I sit down with our staff, I said, what's essential in the first few weeks, celebrate recovery, our recovery homes, our, you know, our, our homes for the uh, single moms and the battered women, you know, a dorms for them. How do we keep them open? How do we, you know, meet the, the, requirements how do we do those things because we had to say what's most important what has to remain this and that's what we've continued to do and but it's been exciting to kind of reevaluate what matters so you know i wanted to meet with you i want to get to some of these other things because it's part of the overall story of crossfire ministries and pastor aaron taylor let's talk about uh quickly though people can you're you are on 28th uh 28th street crossfire nine four two twenty eighth street every nice. thursday we open from noon to four for food boxes and seniors we deliver uh anyone that is uh disabled we deliver to um you know if they can't get out they can talk to us we have to be careful to make sure we're not picking and choosing we just try to everyone in this category we deliver to now, how many uh, families are coming through the center there at uh, 942-28th between 12 and 4 on Thursdays? Any given Thursday, we're end ending up with about 150 to 250 families, which represent uh, about 1,000 to 1,500 uh, or more per week is what they, they estimate. Because we get, we get, not only do we take uh, how many people are coming, but then we we say how many people are coming and how many are in the family. So I know that we were at 1,500 unique families that we have fed so far. And, excuse me, where are those contributions coming from? And do you have the metrics for the, the tons of food that go through your ministry on a, maybe a weekly, monthly basis or an annual basis? Well, if you go around the back of our church, you see semi-truck after semi-truck after semi-truck. And I'll, I'll tell you, while we're on this meeting, 
um, and this was something you probably don't know, but we are having, before all this happened, we were having plans drawn. So the back portion of our property, uh, there would be a 30 foot wide building um, and it would go about 170 feet and we would do it in stages. First one would be a, a consulting and shower area. Mm -hmm. The next one would be a, a feeding a hot meal. Next one would be food box. The next one would be clothing. The next one would be housing. And so they just go in little warehouse sections, allows us to bring stuff in, store it, um, and the way that it's designed, there's basically pallet racking on both walls and down the center. Um, that also, for those that understand construction, it gives you the, the four foot from corner barrier, which makes your construction more simple if you don't have any doorways or entryways on the corners. Mm -hmm. And you think you'll be able to continue on with those plans post-pandemic? Um, well, I'll tell you what, uh, we never, you know, we operate, so we operate um, about $40,000 shy of what we need every month. Mm -hmm. And so every month we fall behind about $40,000. Uh, and then our fireworks fundraiser um, is the primary one that it pulls us out of that every year. So without that, we wouldn't make it. We would like to get it so that that was for doing other projects that was never intended to be our budget. Um, but over the years, as you reach out to, I'm just going to be straight. If you reach out to homeless, you reach out to hurting, you reach out and love the poor. It isn't the poor and the homeless and the hurting that leave. They come in droves. Mm -hmm. It's those that aren't homeless, hurting and poor that, that find a hard time mingling, mm -hmm. uh, especially at a time like this. Sure. And so, um, while we have some wonderful people and a few business people over the years, we've had to make choices between and, and to be just as straight honest as I can. Um, you know, there was seven different people that would have been in the millionaire category a number of years ago who supported our church. And while they, some still support a little from afar, it's different than when you're actively involved, mm -hmm. but we've never, we've never made the financial decisions that, were for the best for the financial well-being i guess almost we've said how do we help people and stay stable and that's what we continue <laughs> to do and sometimes that's difficult for people to be involved with when the main focus is giving the money away to people who are hurting and especially at times like this when we get to really do something great and shine so the funding for that is uh it's a it's a day here and a day there, you know. Um, our plan is to make plans and to put it out there. And if people respond, um, we had a guy in uh, California uh, sent us $10,000 the other day and just said, I don't know where it goes. I just know that I can trust you with what we, we have. Here's $10,000. Do what you need to with it. Um, you know, and right now that goes to basic budget to keep the, keep the lights on. Um, you know, in times, other times, it might be able to go towards that building. So, you know, we just start taking the steps and see what happens. That's how it works. How, um, yeah, you, you definitely, one thing I know about you to be true is you definitely model the sense of faith about trusting God, trusting his purposes, uh, trusting that 
the net will appear when it's time to step off the cliff, so to speak, encourage and, and no, well, I would rather it. say you put the net in the water and the fish will appear when it's time to pull it up. <laughs> fair enough, fair enough. But that, that's definitely, I think that's a good model for your congregation and for the community and those that you help is, is that we ha you have to keep moving forward in faith even if you don't always see uh, the end provision. And we have to have wisdom. Yes. And, and you know, we have to use things wisely. And I mean, and I get that. And we have to plan ahead. But the truth is the need is always much greater. Mm -hmm. um, and, and so, you know, when you're operating in that place, then, um, yeah, God provides. You know, I was looking and trying to get together to write this book. And the, the goal is I'm writing the book. I've got some editors and some people that are helping me. I'm not a writer. Um, and, you know, I it costs 10 grand where am i going to come up with 10 grand and i yeah i could probably beg or plead or or i could just say you know lord i'm gonna i'm gonna start so i started i started preparing for the book the parts i could do and the things i needed it's gonna take more to get this thing even where because it because it is my first book to really get it to where uh, it will be able to do uh, what we need it to do we want to make sure it's in our goal is to really help out in Africa. So we want to be able to give it away long-term and in the Philippines. So it'll be translated in to Tagalog and, and also in Swahili. And, and so, you know, those, it just costs money. And, uh, you know, literally it was just crazy. Literally the, uh, the way it worked is we got ready. We did the part we could do when we had no idea what we were going to do. Uh, Shopco buildings, you know, all did their, uh, uh, liquidations. I got involved in those liquidations a little bit. I got a phone call. They said, listen, we appreciate, you know, how hard you work, how great you guys did. Uh, you helped us out. The rest of the building, everything in it's yours. We got semi-trailers out of it. We were able to go in, sell all the eye doctor stuff that they didn't want to liquidate. And I got exactly the amount I needed to start the book. You know, I mean, now, is that just a miracle you can say whatever it is the reality is you got to do your part and things come together you know i believe that's god but even for those who may not believe that's god here's the reality when you do your part it opens doors for things to be able to come together yeah. and that's a powerful thing but you don't do your part you wait for it all to happen that's not faith yeah so you mentioned just a moment ago you have Crossfire Ministries serves a broad spectrum of people in the community. You've mentioned Celebrate Recovery. You've mentioned your recovery homes. You've mentioned the homes for single mothers. Talk a little bit about, you know, you're feeding um, 100 to 150 families every Thursday. You're trying to keep the lights on. You're trying to stay engaged with your congregation. You have drive-in church this last week and another driving oh, on sunday and it went so awesome yeah <laughs> really we'll, did. We'll, we'll talk about that creative that create creative um, ministry there but i want the other aspects of how you serve how crossfire ministry meets the needs in the community especially in the recovery home the home for single mothers you also have a secondhand shop that you run as well is that correct we actually, our rent was just too high. We, we are ready, have a, we have a trailer full ready to, with everything it'll take to reopen one. But we, this last summer had, or fall, 
we shut down the, the secondhand store. We're mm-hmm. just looking for the right place to do that again. It was a really good thing, but you know, rents are so high. Yes. Um, and until we could find something where the, where the, the facility was large enough to accommodate the donations, uh, we, we, we could man it, we could staff it, but uh, the rents were just too high for it to, to be anything other than a place for people to work. And, uh, and you know, we were losing with, uh, with just the rents being too high and having too small of a building. So. What was the goal and the objective of the ministry with that secondhand store? What were those proceeds? If you didn't have to pay the rent and all those other considerations, the hope of funding was for what portion of the ministry? So 100%, there was, uh, there was hourly wages paid to two individuals for while the stores open. Everything else was voluntary. Um, nobody got a salary. A bookkeeper, I think, made 200 bucks a month. And uh, it was not about those kinds of things. It was about people volunteering who also may live in one of our homes or uh, volunteering for somebody that is uh, in one of our programs, our, our women's discipleship, for example. Um, and just helping people get back to some structure mm-hmm. while any monies made from that always went back into paying the rent for the homes or, um, you know, or the feeding ministry or CR and celebrate recovery issues and things like that. So that's always been our goal. And, you know, we don't create programs truthfully to meet needs. We create relationships and then find ways to meet the need. Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? Uh, yeah. Just because the programs, what happens is, is you have to have the people and I, I'm going to leave it a nameless, but right now there is a well-funded organization that I would never say negative things about, but they're in our community and they have been bringing trucks of food to us because while they're still raising and getting the food, they don't have any ministry going on to give the food away, but they don't want to quit getting the food and the donations so they don't tell people that they're not doing their ministry but they don't want to waste the food so they bring it to us so we can do the ministry hmm. and at times you just go what you've done is you've created a program and the support for a program but you're not and you want to keep it there for the day it might happen and i understand that but it really should be more relationship birthed hey i've got a need now, how can we creatively do that and meet that need? And that's really where all of our stuff, you know, our dorms are literally as needed. They'll, they, right now we have some uh, single moms in, uh, in one dorm and that'll hold up to 10 and the other dorm holds up to 10. And there's a woman that went through uh, abuse, uh, physical abuse and was injured. And so we open those up. Would they be something different? Yeah. You know, six months from now, it might become for teenagers. And, you know, it just depends on the program and the need at that time. Um, they all run through some program. We need that structure, but we're, we try to remain nimble and flexible. So things like this um, don't put us into where we're just trying to say we're doing a ministry we're not really able to do. So they'll change. I'm not going to build the push on this or that, I'm going to build the push on, okay, we have a need, let's meet that need in the community. 
So, and I find that's a very interesting philosophy because life is adaptive and it shifts and needs shift. And, and what you, I know that you help a lot of people that are uh, in the midst of or post severe addiction, incarceration, and many of uh, people struggling with those, uh, that segment of the population that's trying to come out to get healthy, to get strong, to get on their feet. And so you have a recovery home, a single mo a mother's home, but don't you also have a Bible college at your ch church? We did, Master's Commission, and we, we do not right now. We did for, a, man, 15 years. Mm -hmm. uh, but that really came down to it's not that there's not a great need, and I wish we could continue that. It just really comes down to leadership. And we had, uh, we had one of our, our main leaders that we had raised up now probably 18 19 years ago went to southern california he pastors there and uh, replacing him got to be a little more difficult than we had thought and so in, in lieu of trying to hold up a ministry that didn't have the right leadership in place uh again just took a hiatus from it uh remained flexible uh, with the right leadership would we immediately go back to having our schooling oh man most definitely in fact it's heart-wrenching not having it to be honest with you but mm -hmm. again I don't want to keep a program going just for program's sake it's all birthed out of relationship out of the right leadership and you know trying to keep that conduit of leadership you know so many times you're sending them out but some have to stay mm -hmm. so we've had a lot go out and not enough stay that uh, was able to keep that and that's some oversight of ours we've had to reevaluate mm -hmm. So you have as well your ministry support celebrate recovery. Yes. How are you facilitating the recovery homes, uh, celebrate recovery, the needs of the, the people? So we we are quick to work with other recovery homes when uh, when that make makes sense when they're ran right and they're helpful, um, and then we have our own right now uh, because of the COVID nineteen. We actually have the home empty, um, and we're in the process of whether or not we continue it, kind of the same thing. So our men's recovery home, we do not have a women's uh, recovery home except unless they meet specific categories. Um, we just do a women's discipleship. Uh, recovery is part of that. Uh, sometimes it's other things, maybe they're coming out of a, like a divorce recovery or mm -hmm. things like that. Mm -hmm. um, but uh, right now our men's recovery home, we've had to, we moved out uh, May 1st, or excuse me, April 1st. Mm -hmm. uh, we still have the building uh, house rented. We're just, it's vacant, which is not something you want to do, but you can't put people in it unless it's the right circumstance. Otherwise it becomes a flop house. So, mm -hmm. uh, so right now we're kind of reevaluating during this time, you know, COVID's definitely changed everything you do and how you do it. Mm -hmm. So you have the Springfield campus and the Eugene campus. Is that correct? That's right. We sold our, our Eugene, our South Eugene campus. Mm -hmm. And then we bought the West Eugene campus, which is smaller, but has uh, two dwellings on it. And, uh, it's worked out good and um you know we have really not put our major emphasis over there yet and during this uh process it's basically not in use until we can start doing a feeding program there now how many how many uh 
pastors do you have to facilitate all of this, these areas of service and commitment that Crossfire Ministry has to the community? I, right mean, now, I, know, I know you probably work about 80 hours a week because I know you. What yes, about? I, I like working, so that's, that's the easy part for me. <laughs> um, I enjoy, I mean, I, I can't sit still very long. It starts driving me crazy. So uh, I get time with my wife, time with my kids, and I work. That's what I love to do. But, um, but I will say uh, there's about seven right now. Everyone is laid off, except mm -hmm. we have one office lady. Uh, working in the office, and we have uh, one television editor. Everyone else uh, is laid off. We made that decision early on because we didn't want to get in a position where we got too far behind. Right. Uh, that being said, you can't stop them from volunteering, and they do. And so far, no one has walked away. They just continue to show up to work and love Jesus and do what they're called to do. So, uh, but we're not. I mean, everyone's been laid off, including my wife and I, and, uh, and, and it doesn't change anything. It's just the way it is right now. And, uh, and part of that, one of our decisions early on was, and I know there's some small business loans and I, and we, we've went after those, we'd be willing to hire people back, but we have yet to be able to get our bank to, to, to just even do the paperwork with us because they keep saying, Oh, we're on pause. We're on pause. So we'll see if that came through, we'd hire them back in a heartbeat. But one of the things we didn't want to do is have so many around us laid off from work, so many restaurant workers, so many different ones. And then, you know, then here we are all still getting paid. And so we felt like the first thing we do is let, let's walk, let's get in their boat and let's be in their boat with them, not mm -hmm. try to tell them how to live their life from a different boat from a yacht. So that's kind of where we're at. Well, that's a great leadership example, you know, and in the, in the, in the, you know, I spent several years in the military in the U S army infantry and the infantry leaders are always the first to show up for work. They're the last to go home. They're always the last to eat as a leader. You can never eat until all your men had eaten and then you got whatever was left over. And so you never got to go to bed till all your soldiers were bedded down. You had all your, things ready for the next day, whatever your mission orders were. And that just strikes my heart in a tender way, hearing you say that, hearing you say that, you no, know, we need to be in the boat where our people are at. We're not separate from them. We need to be uh, living this, uh, living through this journey with them in a way that's real and applicable. Uh, Aaron, what about, um, this, is, this is a lot. You've got a lot of ministry going on to a lot of different people, your entire staff, including you and your wife, you're all laid off and you're all showing up and you're working every day. Why? Uh, it's who I am. <laughs> you know, even we have a youth camp on the McKenzie that we run and some great things people have jumped in. That's, you know, would be probably not our biggest priority right now, but people are, people are wanting to, to say, hey, what can I do? And I, I love people who don't say, here's, give me, I want to give you five reasons I can't do something. Tell me why I can. I'll find a reason why I can. And that's really it. it ultimately, you know, I, I grew up in a home of a very hardworking business owner and pastor. And my dad worked really hard, was probably never successful at either one uh, from a man's success, but 
I've watched him be a man that was full and had joy in his heart. And when he died, he died happy. Um, you know, I want to do that. I, I also run a couple businesses. I have an asphalt business, mm -hmm. which, uh, you know, we, we use all the proceeds of that to go towards the ministry. And, um, you know, all of those kinds of things, ultimately, when the day's done, I have to go to sleep at night and just feel like, hey, I've trusted the Lord and he's been good to me. And man, I'll tell you what, 30 years, I've trusted the Lord and he's been good to me. And that's just that simple. And I'm not going to stop that. Wherever I live and whatever I do and whatever I have or whatever I don't have, I'm just going to keep trusting the Lord. And he just always is good to me. Well, I appreciate that answer about that story you shared about your father in the eyes of, we always have our ideas of what success is supposed to look like or what success is supposed to mean. In the years that I was pastoring, I, I always heard it from other clergy or big churches about what that was supposed to look like. And if it doesn't look like this, uh, you know, we always had a smaller ministry. And I can't tell you the amount of pastors that said, you should just close up and go home and go do something else because, you know, your ministry is just too small. But I loved what I did. Yeah. I well, loved, here, here's the I, truth. I, I loved people, people in the, yeah, go ahead. If, if you, any good pastor, you, you get a dozen people. Mm -hmm. That's it. I mean, Jesus pastored 10. Mm -hmm. I mean, you can have big crowds, but nobody pastors more than 10 people. Mm -hmm. Not really, not effectively. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, John Hagee's a friend of mine. He runs his entire ministry off the whole concept of 10. So, okay. So if I have a church of 12 people, that's pretty good. Yeah. Now, if some of them become leaders and I pastor you know, 24 people, 25, that's not too bad. You know what I mean? I, I don't think that is a lack or not good or not quality. It's, it's really about purpose and calling and timing. Mm -hmm. If my church is 12 people, I'm happy. If my church is 12,000 people, I'd be happy. But I could have a very unsuccessful 12,000 member church with lots of money and people who are not, they're, they're not really being pastored if I don't have a whole lot of leaders in the process. Mm -hmm. And I don't know that pastors are true leaders uh, in, in the church and they can't really lead the church. There's just a church should be full of a lot of leaders, mm -hmm. not necessarily a lot of pastors. There are people who do the work of the ministry. That's what mm -hmm. we're supposed to do is train them to do the work of the ministry. Yes. Um, Talk, talk, tell us a little bit about your overseas work as a pastor and from Crossfire Ministries. You do, I know you have some regional work on the West Coast. Maybe you can talk about that a little bit. But I also want people to understand what you do globally. Well, you know, it, everything for us, and I've, you know, I said it, I say that a lot, is it's just all relationship born. Um, so over the years, instead of when I, when I first we got into ministry, my dad was a part of the church, him and I co-pastored for years. Um, and we, you know, we did what every good church did. You had a missions budget, you gave money to missions. Uh, when the missionary came over here, you might meet him. And uh, a friend of mine named Roni Benius, uh, he, uh, we built a church for him and a church for another guy in Ghana. And when we built that church, uh, we gave them the money and they built it. And uh, they had, next time they came over, they were very grateful, probably looking and hoping that we 
give that kind of money again. And uh, I remember talking to Roni and I, Roni said, when are you going to come see my people? And we had made a covenant between churches, sister churches. And I said, well, you know, I'd rather just help you and financially support you. And he said, well, here's the thing. We can't really be covenant then. I said, well, what do you mean? And he said, well, I know you and you know me. And we could be covenant brothers, but not our churches. He said, I know you. I know your people. Your people know me, but you don't know my people. How can we truly be in covenant? And I literally, as he's asking me to come visit his, his church, and they have, you know, 48 churches there now. And I went, well, I think it's time to take my first mission trip. And so within a year, I took 22 people on the mission field, not knowing what I was doing and feeling a little bit lost. Um, and it has changed our whole area of ministry. And so from that, we have been developed. We don't develop control over anyone. Uh, I'll give you an example. Uh, one day uh, when, when things really began to change and we were financially supporting churches in a different way, um, one of the missionaries came to me and he said, so uh, do I have to change my name now or what part of the name? Can I still use part of my name? Because I know you'll want it to say Crossfire. I said, what in the world makes you think I want your church to be crossfire? And he goes, well, that's what all churches do when they give money. They want us to change our name to their name. I, I, was, I was literally so naive and blown away by it. I just said, someone's going by. Um, I was blown away by it. I said, I don't want you to change your name. I don't want you to change who you are. I don't, I don't need any control over you. We're, we're in relationship. And uh, I just learned that the whole system of religion is about control and manipulation too often instead of it being about relationship. And I don't have to control you to support you, to help you, to help train your leaders, to vice versa, have you train some leaders. Um, that's just not what it should be about. So that uh, that began, we, we'll license, we'll work with um, other pastors uh, overseas, but we're, that's not even a push of ours. I mean, I don't care who they're licensed with. If they have a love for Jesus and we can work together, let's work together. I, you know, and again, is it naive? Probably. I don't have a huge budget or funding. You know, what I have is as an impact that God, God does today. And if he doesn't tomorrow, it's okay. I'm not building anything other than the kingdom of God. Crossfire is really insignificant in that. Um, you know, it's, it's just a matter of when I die, I'm going to show up and see what God thinks of the house that was built, not mm -hmm. anyone else. And, uh, and so our overseas work is simply that. It's relationship. It's friendships. It's pastors that I pray with, I talk with. Um, they come over, they stay in my home, they stay, they minister in our church, we help orphanages, uh, you know, and, and that really, that's what it's about. I wouldn't say I'm good at any of it other than being loyal and being someone's friend. And that's what it should be, I think, in the long run. Um, but not, not big on uh, manipulation, I'm not big on control, I'm not big on, uh, it, just, it just ultimately, can we have a friendship 
you know, and do you get burned in friendships? Yeah. It's like feeding people. I, we're going to feed a hundred people and make a difference in one person's life. That's not great statistics. Yeah. But, it, but it's a real statistic. It's a real statistic. What are some of the countries your ministry has been able to go and help and serve and to, I, I mean, I see it on Facebook, but the Philippines. Yeah, so a lot in the Philippines, uh, two different organizations that we're really close with there is uh, Lift Jesus Higher with Roni Benius and have for, yeah, we've been there for over 30 years. And then um, uh, also Cross Tower, mm -hmm. not Watchtower. Cross Tower, uh, they're based in Southern California, so I'm there a lot. Uh, and then in Manila and throughout uh, the Philippine Islands. And uh, Jude Garcia, actually, I just did the wedding for his daughter a few years ago. And then uh, his son, just this last January, I was able to go and uh, do and perform the wedding for them. And it was a great celebration. Um, but uh, just relationship they just kind of become family and and that's really what it's about um and then in kenya we have dear friends there that we work with and and help there in uh, kenya throughout kenya and uganda and a little in tanzania there's also a place called the walk in kenya which is a school and orphanage and keep them in your prayers there they're really going through it and uh, same thing a small school in Uganda, and then uh, Bridge of Hope, which is a completely different organization that we, uh, that's here at, in Portland that we've worked with and, and uh, sent leaders there and vice versa. They've come here and spent time here with us. Uh, we had the kids for about a month um, while they were traveling and raising money here in the Northwest. So just that, those are kind of some of the, I've built churches in Ghana and, and uh, uh, you know, been in Nigeria, uh, Mexico, a little in Mexico. We, uh, our contacts in Mexico have changed a little, so we don't have as many contacts right now in Mexico as we used to. We built some churches and uh, did some ministry down there with a ministry called Open Door. Um, but, you know, they're just, it's all about relationship. You yeah. know, it's not about these being my churches or my things. It's just about relationship. And uh, one of the things we're doing is we're, we're waiting for a piece of equipment that I just bought that would allow us to do um, more of this kind of a thing where it could be open to a large audience. And, um, and we're really excited about it. There's just one piece of equipment we need to get in and, and it's back ordered. So it, we're hoping it'll come in this week, but, um, we want to do stuff where we can have prayer services mm -hmm. with the different countries mm -hmm. and their leaders. But we did our first online prayer service. And if you get a chance, it's on my Facebook last Tuesday and uh, had eight staff all um, separated with their six foot separation. It was even more than that. And uh, in our church, we were able to do something I've been wanting to do for about a year, just a live prayer service mm -hmm. that was phenomenal. Well, I'd like to be able to do that also internationally um, with the different leaders. And so that's something that is definitely close and in the works um, as, as things progress. So it's a little of what we do. Well, that's exciting. That's exciting to hear that uh, you're trying to make that connection and, 
I think this concept of a prayer ministry is probably one of the un, most underutilized gifts that we have as a church or the church and our faith system that we have. And I'm not embarrassed by my faith. And I made that clear with, with, with this business that it's part of who I am and whatever your faith system is, it should be part of who you are as an individual and what you believe and, and how you operate and live your life, that value system. But, you know, I, I do definitely believe in this concept of we need to pray more and pray for one another and to humble ourselves because this concept of prayer it keeps us in that place of of humility the awareness uh, that we are not all sometimes we can get high and mighty with who and what we think we are and i, I just want to say with all sincerity that ever since i've known you I've never known you to be an arrogant man. And I can't say that about a lot, of, a lot of clergy. There's two people that I will put in that classification. That's you and Pastor Dan Trujillo of City of Destiny Church. You are two men that I know beyond a shadow of, the, of a doubt are the most humble men that I've ever met who carry the title pastor and who carry uh, their ministries in their heart. And I can tell you that there's only two pastors that I know for a fact that haven't intentionally from my lifetime and my time in ministry as well. But the only two men people ask me and I'll tell them uh, wholeheartedly and say for the sake of this recording, there's only two pastors that I can ver that I can say that I have known that have not intentionally hurt or harmed vindictively or and with a act of vengeance uh, anyone. And that's you and Pastor Dan Trujillo from City of Destiny Church. And I just wanted to say that for the record. I wanted to say that for uh, those that would hear this and I just wanted I appreciate that part of your life well thank you I I am glad and I like to I like people around me that I think have a have that heart of just hey let's this is if you want to put yourself and compare yourself to others I think that's where we run into that let's let's compare and see reality is and you compare yourself to Christ and what he's done you know, I'm just so thankful to be a part of the kingdom mm -hmm. and uh you know, I, I, I went through a tough time. I, I was, uh, the arrogancy, I went through a divorce. And during that time, uh, I didn't feel like I didn't want to be arrogant. I don't think anyone is, but I, I had pretty high thoughts of how great I was. And, uh, and that really changed who I was as a individual and what I wanted out of life and ministry. And, um, at that time I was traveling uh, nationally, I was speaking, things were really starting to take off, uh, but they were taking off in the wrong direction, you know, it's like a, a flight doomed for disaster, and so I will tell you, I I wake up every day, I realize that I shouldn't be able to do what I get to do, mm -hmm. and, and it's the grace of God, literally by His grace, and, you know, even to this day, because I went through a divorce, people say, well, you can't, and you shouldn't, and yeah, and yeah, really, I don't, ultimately, I'm just serving the Lord. And, mm -hmm. and, uh, you know, if, if I can do that, that's what matters. And so through it, once again, through adversity, um, good things come. Mm -hmm. And I don't, I don't think this COVID-19 is going to bring out the worst. It can bring out the best if you allow it to. I, I agree. And so I, I think it is, I think it is for me. I think it is for others. And I just, I just pray we, uh, we brace ourselves and learn because there's going to be greater challenges ahead. That isn't negative. That isn't horrible. That isn't bad. I think Revelations makes that clear. 
there's going to be bigger, more difficult things ahead. And this is where we get to learn and pass down what we've learned to the next generation. Okay, very good. So as we get ready to wrap this up, what would you like to say to anyone who needs uh, support from your ministry right now in the arena of food, what you can do, you know, you, what you can do, you're doing. And you have your drive-in church on Sundays, but you have this very real aspect of the physical need of 100 to 150 families every Thursday, 942 28th Street, Crossfire Ministries in Springfield, Oregon. You have, well, you have 150 to 250 families a week you're feeding. What would you say to the community at large, any words of encouragement or, or, or uh, how they can best contact you or how, you know, just the component of feeding people is a big deal right now. Yeah. Go to mycrossfire.com and that's where most everything uh, is. And you can kind of connect with is just uh, to our mycrossfire.com uh, account. Um, you know, if you are in a need or you're one, don't panic. We got this together. We're going to walk through this together. Um, you know, we're working with Food for Lane County, which is a, always a big one, but they can't supply all the food needed. We're working with Safeway, with Albertsons. We're working with uh, some ministries I probably should leave nameless. Uh, uh, USDA, we get food from them. And, and here's the thing. Don't be afraid. It's not that the church is going to be there to hand things out to you. Um, but don't be afraid because most all of this it's funny to me how people were they couldn't pay the rent they couldn't make their car payment and they were out of food two weeks after the announcement of uh this pandemic mm -hmm. well nobody's life changed in two weeks mm -hmm. but fear changed right i mean they could still pay their bills just as well as they could but they mm -hmm. were afraid now mm -hmm. don't be afraid right. walk through do the best you can with what you have Crossfire is going to do its best with what it has. I can't guarantee we'll have one bit of food next week. Sure. But I know that God will give us what we need and he'll help us and, and he'll bring things together and, and we'll do the best with what we're given. Mm -hmm. That's it. We'll, we'll pursue and we'll help. And, you know, we don't know if we can do fireworks this year. Without that, financially, would we be devastated? I don't know. Sure. I just know this. I'm going to do the best I can. We're getting our permits. Our orders are placed. It uh, looks like things are coming in. Will we be able to do it? Well, I don't know. But it doesn't change anything. I'm going to put my foot in front today. And, and so if they have a need, call us. Call the church. Go onto the website. You can call the church at 541-686-FIRE uh, or 541-686-LIFE, either one, and say, hey, I'm in need of food. We'll call and have one of our counselors call you and work out how to either get you that food or how you can come get it. Uh, we'll make sure you have something to eat to the best of our ability with whatever we have. All we can do is, is call out and say, okay, how many fishes, how many loaves, divide them up and let God do the rest. And he does, you know, and uh, you know, every, every week it's, well, how many loaves of bread should we give out? How many, how much meat should we give? Well, I don't know. Divide up what we got. How do you many people think will come? Well, that's what'll be in the box. Okay. Now, you know, if too many come and you know, it's always works out. It's about right. It's like, wow, I couldn't believe it. We made it. And, uh, you know, last week was 230 families and, uh, we only had 200 boxes, but guess what? By the time we went through, 
it never stopped, never stopped. Just like there was never a time when there wasn't cars in line. We got to a point where the line got down to the last car. I was like, okay, we're going to get a break. I'm going to use the restroom. Nope. Here they come, <laughs> you know, but the reality is those extra 30 boxes, we went in there, put them together. They were probably better than the first 200 and you know, that's just how God works. So if you have a need call, you know, there's, we get rent assistance calls every day. We have a benevolence funding. Um, if it's funded, we're able to give, I mean, money has to come in to be able to give it out, sure. but we're going to take what we have divide it up and help people. Very good. So for, uh, thank you, Pastor Aaron Taylor, Crossfire Ministries. They're located at 942 28th Street in Springfield, Oregon. I want to thank you for all you do to feed uh, the families of Lane County and all the other areas of service that you've been providing for all these years. Thank you for your leadership. Uh, thank you for your time. I pray God's blessing on you, your workers, your staff, your ministry, your wife, your children upon your health and upon all the reach and influence that God has given you. And so uh, we'll look forward to connecting with you soon as we begin to post pandemic recovery on um, what you're able to, how you're able to re-engage in the community. Hey, let me tell you one real quick story. Okay. So yeah. yesterday I get a call from a, an older guy. I had done a, a guy was a, was an atheist for the most part. And uh, right towards the end of his life, he, uh, reached out to him. He was knew he was going to not make it. And long story short, I was able to do a, a baptism with a washcloth and a, you know, in, in a rest home. And mm -hmm. he wanted to be baptized before he died. And he confessed Christ. It was awesome. And, uh, and so we did that. And then he died a week or so later, I did his funeral. And he is actually a very large businessman here in the, uh, in the area. Mm -hmm. If I said his name, everyone would know his name. But Anyway, his brother, I met him one time there, and that was it. And that was, like I said, probably 10, 12 years ago. And uh, his brother calls me and says, hey, um, and I, I didn't know him. I just, I got, I got a message, so I called it back, actually. And he said, hey, I, I just want you to know I got a, um, I made something for you. Now, he's in his 70s, 80s now. He's, I made something for you. I made some roses for you. So I'm thinking he made roses. He goes, but I've had them for about a month. And I was afraid that my wife and I would die due to, to the pandemic. And so I made these roses and I, I left you a note and we wrote you a check and it's been sitting on our table and we've only left our house three times, but we haven't died yet. And I finally met somebody who knew you and they gave me your phone number. So I wanted to call. I thought, well, that's interesting. So he brings this to me. He actually, out of metal, made three roses out of metal. They're really awesome. He made these for me, and he said these represent uh, the Trinity. There was three of them. And the work that you do in our community, we wanted to say thank you, and we wrote you a $300 check. And he said, just use it wherever you want. Well, I said, you know, thank you so much. It means the world. It's going to go back into Crossfire. That's what I, you know, matter most. And he reaches in his pocket and he goes, ah. and he goes, you know, I've told my kids and my grandkids that as long as I'm alive, I can't fix all your problems, but I'll make sure you have walking around money. Yeah. And he takes 20, takes 20 bucks out and he puts it in my hand. And he says, now don't give that to the church. That's for you. And I said, well, thank you very much. And uh, here's the funny thing. When he said, I can't fix all your problems. 
but I can give you some walking around money. You know, none of us can fix all the problems, right? But sure, do something to help. Thank you. And I think if if all of us keep our eyes not on what I get out of life and what I can do, but what what I do, how can it benefit others? It'll change the world. Yes, very good. Thank you. That's apropos. You. Very good ending. Very good ending. All right. Well, you have a good day. Enjoy this beautiful weather we have for now. And uh, yep. we'll, we'll see you again very soon, Pastor. All right. Thanks a lot. All right. Take care. Bye-bye. Bye. -bye. Bye.